We are continuing in our series this month, The Best Things You Will Do This Year. I uh, read an article this uh, week. It was published in Time Magazine uh, January 9th of, uh, of this year. The article said, Why You Don't Have to Exercise Every Day. Anybody interested in hearing more? I was. Why you don't have to exercise every day. The article, uh, researching some 63,000 participants in the study, triumphantly proclaims that recent studies have shown that exercising just on the weekends can have some of the same health benefits as the exercising every single day. In fact, what they found was that if a person will exercise rigorously 75 minutes a week or moderately rigorously, whatever that means, 150 minutes a week, that it has some of the same benefits of those people that would exercise every single day or more than that. When it came to life expectancy and things that would uh, uh, negatively impact a person's uh, length of life, they said the difference was I think when you exercise, you improve your whatever those negative impacts are by 34% when you exercise regularly every day. They said those that exercised 75 minutes a week or 150 minutes a week it improved by 30%. So almost the exact same increase, almost the exact same improvement by this weekend warrior mentality. And that's what they called it. They called it the weekend warrior. That you can get your exercise in on the weekends instead of having to do it every day. I don't know if that's interesting to you, but it was interesting to me. But I bring it up this morning because this term weekend warrior It's a term that might describe how you exercise, but it may also be a term that sometimes may describe our approach with God, that it's a weekend warrior. We're far too busy sometimes to create that space in our lives every single day, uh, but we will take that time every week. Maybe we cram our relationship with God into 75 minutes of spiritual exercise a week or Maybe every other week or once a month or just Christmas and Easter. And we hope to get the same type of spiritual benefits that we might get if we put in time every day by putting in and cramming it into 75 minutes a week or whatever that might be. And if you've been here the last several weeks, you know in this series we've been talking about the fact that if we're going to have an in-depth relationship with God, if we're going to have a deep and rich relationship with God, that it is more to do with the daily walk with God and specifically to do with those things in our lives that often people don't see. We said the best things that you can do in 2017 are the things that no one will see. Those things that happen on a daily basis, not necessarily in a room like this on a Sunday morning, not necessarily out in front of everyone on a daily basis, but those things that happen in your life where nobody sees it. A couple weeks ago, we talked about scripture reading, and we said the importance of this book, this Bible, God's word to you. And it's wonderful that we get into it on a Sunday morning, but it is even more important that you will get into it on a daily basis in your life and look to it for wisdom, because as we said, the Bible and God's word is our primary method to live lives that are pure and pleasing to God. 
And so we said those times that no one sees it is important. Last week we talked about prayer. And we said, getting into your prayer closet, Jesus said that the, the place that no one sees, that secret place, that God sees you and he rewards the prayer that no one else sees. The unseen God rewards the unseen prayer. So we said there were three things about prayer that were, that were critical in last week's sermon, that it's secret, simple, and sincere. That as we come into a place with God, those, that place that no one else sees, it's secret prayers, simple prayers, sincere prayers are significant prayers. And we've been using this equation throughout our series that depth, depth in our relationship with God equals devotion over time minus the spotlight. That you will grow deeper in your walk with God by having devotion with him over a period of time consistently taking away that spotlight in front of people. And this morning, I want to talk about another aspect of our relationship with God, another aspect of our life with God, that when you do it in front of people, it may have some benefit, but what Jesus says is when you do it in a place that only God sees it, that there's great benefit to it. Let me start by asking you a question to get at our topic this morning. Have you ever gone uh, through the checkout line of the store and you're going through the checkout line, and the cashier asks you a question, says, hey, do you want to give a dollar to, and then names a charity? You want to give a dollar to St. Jude's Children's Hospital? You want to give a dollar to the Boston Children's Hospital? You want to give a dollar to this charity, that charity? Do you want to buy a book for the children's home? We've all been in that situation, right? And that sometimes they don't even ask you anymore personally. It just shows up on the screen when you're paying, right? You donate a dollar. And that's a little bit more discreet. But a lot of times the cashier will ask you and you'll see maybe things posted up on the wall behind with names on them. At St. Patrick's Day, it's Shamrocks. Valentine's Day, it's Hearts. And they put your name up on the wall. So-and-so gave a dollar. So you've been in that situation. And my question to you this morning is have you been in that situation and then given a dollar? Oh, sure, but not because you believed, cared, or even knew about the cause that they were asking about. More because the person behind you just heard them ask you this question, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, I don't want to seem like, you know, I don't care about whatever this is. Or because the cashier is going to think something about you. And so you say, sure, yeah, yeah. You weren't planning to give. That's not why you were there. That wasn't what you went there for. But oh, sure, put me down for a dollar. Not because you cared about the cause, but because you cared about what someone thought about you in that situation. Why do we do that? Or maybe you've been in the situation where you've been at the counter and you've paid for your goods or your meal and on the counter there is this jar that says tips. And you get your money back and you're looking at it and you know that that tip jar is there. And so you put in money in the tip jar but maybe you don't put in the paper money they gave you back. You drop the coins in because at least they'll hear the coins that drop in, right? 
And all the better if it's a glass bottle, because it makes an even louder, yeah. And it makes an even louder sound. I know you wouldn't do that, but some people may be tempted to, to act like that. You know, and for some reason, there's something inside of us. Maybe not you, maybe it's just me that thinks this way. Some reason, there's something inside of us that wants them to see and know that we put something in there. Because what's the point if they don't see and know that we had put something in there? There's something inside of us that cares about people seeing us give. But what if the giving that people don't see is more important than the giving that people do see? That's my question for you this morning. We often live in a world that says the giving people do see is the most important. So we put names on shamrocks and leaves and hearts. We put up plaques and names and programs and on buildings. And because these people gave and everybody should know about it. But Jesus, in our passage this morning, turns this whole thing on its head. Jesus says, when it comes to God, the giving that people don't see is much more important than the giving that people do see. And so I want to talk to you this morning about giving. I want to talk to you this morning about generosity, by extension, about money, and You know, I take a Sunday every year in our January series to talk about this topic. I think it's an important topic for us to talk about. I think it's even more appropriate this year in the series that we're talking about, the best things you will do are the people, are the things that no one sees. Because money in our lives is such a private thing, and yet it's a public thing too at times. I mean, even when I say we're going to talk a little about money today, there's something inside of you that kind of recoils a bit. It's like, don't, no, that's, that's, that's private. That's, that's something that, that is my thing, you know. Don't get into that. Don't go there, pastor. There's something about money in our world that's a private thing, but it's also a public thing. It's a private thing, right? We, we hold those things close to us, not just account numbers and passwords, but incomes and, 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 and facts about money, we hold those things close to us. The part of the last election cycle, one of the topics that came up is who's going to release their tax returns and who's not going to release their tax returns. Why? Because it seems to reveal we believe that your tax returns or any information about what you do with money privately says something about who you're going to be publicly, and so it became an issue. But those are things we often hold private to ourselves. Most of us wouldn't want our tax returns perhaps broadcast to the world because it's a private thing. And yet there's something about money that's also very public, isn't it? I mean, the clothes you wear, the car you drive, the town you live in, the places you shop, the bags you carry, all of it says something about money in our world that we live in. The phone you carry... All of it in some way communicates something very publicly about money. And so it's a very private thing and a very public thing, and that's why I think it's important in the midst of this series to talk about it. And frankly, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I just want to get this right in my own life. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I want to get this right because money is one of those things in our life and in our world that can grab a hold of us and change us and, and form us maybe into ways we don't want to be formed. 
Here's what I know about me. I have an amazing capacity when it comes to money and my interpretation of how to use it to tip the scales in my favor. Maybe that's true about you too. I have a profound capacity to deceive myself, to rationalize in order to make it more comfortable for me to live the way that I want to live. Maybe that's true about you too. The Bible talks about our heart, and the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And I think when it comes to money, it can be true about that more than anything, that we can deceive ourselves. I mean, I know it's true about me. Maybe it's true about you. I have a profound capacity when it comes to money, when it comes to finances, to tip the scales in my favor, to be able to live the life that I would like to live and maybe not pay so much attention to other things around me. But the truth is, I want to get this right as a follower of Christ and as a Christian because there's a capacity in all of us for this to form us and to guide us in a way that maybe we want to go or don't want to go. It's why, you know, we're careful about these things, even in church. It's why when a few minutes ago we receive uh, the tithes and offerings that you don't see just one person carrying it around or one person walking out. You'll never see one person just receiving that offering and, and taking care of it. We always have two people. Why? Because we can't trust anyone? No, not at all. In fact, the guys that we have handling our finances are the ones, some of the ones we trust the most. But what we know is the heart's deceitful. What we know is that, uh, that temptation can come in. And what we know is we don't want to put anyone in a situation where they could be in any way tempted to act in a way that would not be upright and right. So we say, you know what? We take precautions. We trust these guys more than anyone. And yet, I know in my life, stronger men than I have probably given in to lesser temptations than when it comes to money. It's true with you too, that there are people that have given into much less temptations maybe than the temptations we get when it comes to money in our own life. And it's because of this capacity of the human heart to deceive us, especially with money, that we believe one of the best things you can do in 2017 are the ones that no one sees when it comes to our giving. And Jesus knew Jesus knew that when it comes to giving and when it comes to money and when it comes to finances that there is a capacity for this to form us into people that are unlike the people we would like to be following God. So I'm not up here talking about this this morning because I know a lot about money. I'm not up here talking about this even because I know a little about money. I'm not up here because I know how to tell you how to invest your money or even if you should invest your money. I don't know what college fund you should be in. I don't know what you should do with that money maybe your relative just gave you. I'm not up here talking about this because I know a lot about money. I'm up here talking about this because I know a little about the human heart. And one of the things we do at Mount Hope is we'll talk about those things that can influence the human heart either towards God or away from God. And money is certainly one of those things. So let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Jesus says this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Say those words with me. 
in order to be seen by them. Ready? Say that with me. In order to be seen by them. Key aspect to this passage. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. That's what we want to talk about this morning, that Father who sees in secret and the reward that he gives. So two quick points for you this morning that I want to share with you from this passage and uh, as we look at what it is about giving. Two quick points. The first one is this, and it may be an obvious one. It's right to give. It's right to give. It's right to be generous. Jesus says, when you give to the needy, to the poor, it's not if you give, it's not, well, maybe you might think about giving, it's if you have occasion to give. Jesus says, when you give to the needy, it's, it's, it's understood, it's something that is a prerequisite. Jesus understands that people are going to give, his followers are going to give, that people are going to want to give. It's not an option, it is right to give. You don't even have to be a Christian to know and understand this. There are people who don't attend the church, that don't go to church, never attended church in their life, that would say that it's right for people to give, it's right for people to be generous, it's right for people to care about the needy. There are very few people arguing that it would be better if people were less generous to those in need. Almost all of us believe that generosity and giving is something that's good, and Jesus says it too. So when you give, Jesus is saying, it's right for you to give. It's right for you as a follower of Christ to be generous and to give. And so he tells us that, and so this is the first point. It's right to give. One of the reasons it's right for us to give is because it speaks to the God who has given to us. It speaks to the God who gave his son and the God that we follow. It's a testimony about who he is and who we are as his followers. That being generous is another testimony of the generosity that God has had with us. And it also is a testimony to the world around us of the God that we serve. In fact, throughout church history, the giving generosity of Christians has often spoken to the world around about how good God is. Many times through early church history, when plagues would come and strike a particular city or a particular location, many times the people of that city who were healthy would flee from that place. And it was often the Christians who would stay and take care of the needy, take care of those who are sick, often risking their own lives. And this would serve to, as a witness to who Christ is and the witness to the type of people that follow Christ. And often that city and that place would become a, a beacon of Christianity because of the witness and the testimony of the Christians that served in that place. One such example from church history is a man named Pacamius. 
You probably don't know Pachymius. He was in the fourth century. Uh, he was 21 years old when the Roman Empire drafted him or recruited him into the military against his will in 312 A.D. His family had always worshipped Roman pagan gods, and so did he. But when Rome came in and took over his city and uh, forced the young men to serve in the military, one of the things they would do is they would put all the recruits into prison so that they would not escape or desert and to make sure that they were going to fall into line with this Roman army that they had been recruited and drafted into most often against their will. Well, while Pachymius was in prison, there was a great famine in the area. People were starving. People were uh, without food, and certainly prisoners were going without food as well. Everyone in prison began to starve, but soon strangers began to show up at night. Began to show up at night and slip food between the bars of the prison. Night after night, these people came back, and as a result, Pachymius and his friends survived the famine. When it was over, he discovered that these visitors were Christians. When he fulfilled his obligation to the Romans, Pachymius sought out the Christians and eventually became a great leader in the church, and he's now remembered by much of the church as Saint Pachymius because of his leadership in the church. But it happened how? because of the generosity and giving of Christians, because Christians said, we are people who believe that it is right to give, it is right to care, because Jesus said, when you give to the needy, when you give to the poor, it's right to give. It's right for us to be generous. But it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard. It bucks against our nature at times. So there's an example from church history. Let me give you a more modern example. I was uh, talking with someone recently who's a part of our church here at Mount Hope about their walk with Christ and about their, um, how they came to Christ and how they came to follow Christ. And, and uh, this person shared about, we happened to get on the topic of giving, and she was sharing about how her thoughts about giving had changed over the years. And I asked her to kind of type something up if I could share it this morning, and she gave me permission to do that. So here's a little more modern story of giving. She said, I grew up Catholic and always thought of giving to the church as an act of charity, like we would be tipping the priest after Mass, at 29, I moved to the U.S. to study and then started working in Florida. I got invited to church by a coworker and eventually went forward during the altar call and became a Christian. I started to get to know my creator and to understand who he is. Even though I was studying God's word and going to service, I still struggled with the ideas I had about giving and was very apprehensive about parting with my hard-earned money. It was at a Bible study that the idea of giving back to God became a reality to me. I heard testimonies of God showing up in ways that only he could to honor the obedience of his children, particularly in the aspect of giving. It brought it to life to hear real-life examples, and it helped me understand that everything is God's to begin with. It's he who gives it to us, and all he asks is that we give back to him cheerfully and generously as an act of worship as well as a demonstration of faith in his promises. I've seen time and time again how true the saying is, you can't outgive God. 
The fact that he gives us the opportunity to be a part of his work on earth is a privilege. The fact that he gives us talents, wisdom, and opportunities in favor to earn a living is a privilege. The fact that my eternity cost Jesus his life makes me almost feel embarrassed to believe that I once thought about tipping God through giving. My husband has a similar testimony of miraculous provision and guidance. We both believe we're trading into the kingdom of God by generously giving to our church and others' needs. God is glorified and the kingdom of God is growing. This idea that giving, it's right to give. And maybe you're at that place too. Maybe you've grown up in a church situation where, you know, you feel like, you know, giving that, that bag that went by a few minutes ago is, is more like a way to tip God than a way to give generously. And so this morning, uh, one of the things we want to do is just challenge us in our thinking to think, what, is it, what would it be to give to a God who has generously given to us? It's right to give. It's right to give. Move on to the second point, because most of us maybe not argue with it's right to give. Most of us believe that it's right to give. But the second point is this, but make sure you give rightly. It's right to give, but make sure you give rightly. And that's really what Jesus is getting at in this passage. Jesus is saying, in our life, motivations for doing good matter. Good deeds done with bad motivation can change good deeds into bad deeds. Is basically what Jesus says in this passage. We care not only about people doing good things or saying good things, we also care about why they are doing them. Suppose someone comes up to you, you know, they've wronged you, and they come and apologize to you, but you know they're only apologizing to you because they were forced to. You ever been in that situation in school? One of the kids now, Billy, say you're sorry. Billy looks at Susie, sorry. Right? Did, did it mean much? It probably didn't mean anything because Billy was forced to do it. And Billy, apologizing out of the wrong motivation, took the right deed and transformed it into something else. And what Jesus is saying is sometimes we do this right deed, which is good and right, but you do it out of the wrong motivation and it transforms it into something else. Transforms it into something that is less than good. We would assume that God would reward people who are generous, but Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus said God rewards people when they give, but when they do it with the right motivation in the right way. There are all kinds of motivations we have to give. Sometimes we give to get recognition. You ever been to a museum down in Boston or someplace and, and just looked around a little bit at some of the recognition that's given? If you get out of the Museum of Science, uh, you'll see signs all over the place. Uh, these pictures there, there's one family, the, uh, the Dudley family who gave Cabot family, the Dudley Cabot family who gave something. Some more pictures uh, they have. You can get a plaque on a wall. Gilbert Hood got a plaque on a wall there. You can be a name on a wall when you give. You can have a great list of benefactors. Even the escalator at the Museum of Science was given in honor of James L. and Evelyn M. Jenks. You can have all kinds of things named after you. Many people will give in order to get recognition. People know this. 
That's why they do it. So you give. You can have your name on this. You can have your name. We'll put your name on a program. We'll put your name on a plaque. We'll put your name on a building. We'll put your name over a school if you give enough money. Uh, and so one reason to give, many people give, is through recognition. Another reason people give is it makes ourselves look better or feel better. Makes ourselves look better or feel better. Sometimes we give out of a motivation of just making ourselves feel better or look better. You ever been driving down Mall Road, Middlesex Turnpike? You know where I'm going with this, right? Someone's standing there with that bucket and that card. And here's what gets me. I have an amazing capacity to multitask when I drive. I can talk on a phone. I can drink a cup of coffee. I can change the station on the radio. I can discipline my kids. I can do this all while I'm driving, paying attention to driving. But sometimes when I pull into that road and there's someone there with the bucket, for some reason, 110% of my focus is on one traffic signal in front of me. <laughs> and for some reason, I'd love to help, but I got, I got this. <laughs> I'm just watching. And maybe that happens for you, too. You know, we have this amazing capacity to do all kinds of things, but, but I, I get a focus. When that light's going to turn green. I got to be ready to go. But then sometimes... Roll down the window, and maybe you put a dollar in. Maybe you put $2 in. And why do you do it? What's the motivation? Maybe it's because you want to help someone, and that's great. Maybe it's just because it makes me feel better. It makes them feel better. If my kids are in the back seat, man, I just like teaching moment, maybe like a Father of the Year award up there, you know. Win, win, win situation. Everybody's good, you know, except when I think about Matthew chapter 6 that says, and your father that sees what's done in secret will reward you. And I'm not doing it out of a good motivation. I'm just doing it to assuage my guilt. I'm just doing it because I want to feel better. I'm just doing it because I don't want to stare at this traffic signal. And if I put something in the bucket, I can look this guy in the eye. I'm not doing it for the right reasons. Sometimes our giving's like that. Sometimes our giving is not out of the right motivations and reasons. It's just to assuage our guilt or take care of a situation in front of us and make ourselves feel better. Sometimes it's recognition. Look better in the sight of others. I talked about it earlier. You put the shamrock, the heart, you give the dollar. The little kid comes to the door selling Little League tickets. You know, yeah, sure, put me down for five, Johnny. You know, cause you, not because you particular cause, but because you don't want Johnny to think you're cheap. So you <laughs> give away tickets. None of this giving is bad. Please don't get me wrong. I, think, I don't think any of this giving is bad. I'm not talking about the giving itself. We're talking about motivations for giving. Talking about why we do it. Why do we do it? Some people give for health benefits. I read another article this week I read about giving. said that giving and generosity has amazing health benefits. I don't know if you know this. Generous people live longer. Generous people have less stress. Generous people live happier lives. All great side benefits. But I think Jesus would say they can't be the main motivation for giving. Can't be the main motivation for giving. 
It's right to give, but make sure your giving is done rightly. So what is the right motivation for giving? Jesus says, truly I say to you, they've received their reward, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. We're often so worried about who's watching us when we are generous, but Jesus says it should be enough to know that God is watching you. It should be enough to know that God sees. God is most pleased when we give with the right motivation. Jesus says, when you give generously with the right motivation, expecting nothing in return, God will reward you. And the God who sees what is done in secret, that unseen God in that unseen place, will reward you. It's not so much about giving or not giving. It's about the motivation we have as we give. And I think what Jesus is saying is the best way for you to check your motivation is by having places that you regularly give and only God knows and sees. I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying all your giving has to be done in such a way that no one ever knows about it. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. I'm saying that we need to be careful to watch our motives for giving and the best way to watch our motives is to regularly give in ways that are as discreet as we can make it. Jesus is saying, you know, if you never give in this way that nobody sees and nobody knows, then maybe your motives need to be checked. It's not that all of your giving has to be done in a way that nobody sees it. It's not that it's wrong necessarily to get, you know, the, the tax receipt you're about to get from us if you've given them out hope in the last year. That, that's not, that, Jesus, I don't think Jesus is saying that's all wrong. What he's saying, though, is be careful your motives. And the best way to check your motives is to be careful that all of your giving is not done in a place that people see it, but that at least some of your giving is done in a place that no one sees it because in that way, you're able to check your motives and make sure that you are not giving for the wrong reasons. We have to be careful not only to give, but to give rightly. We give generously and we give rightly. It means that I look at why I'm giving and I have to check my own heart. And the problem with that is that I'm not very good at checking my own heart, I'm not very good at performing a checkup on myself. So I believe what Jesus gives us in this passage is a way to give us a self-checkup. How often am I giving in a way that no one sees it and I'm just trusting God that he sees it? Because that's the right motivation. The right motivation is not recognition from others. The right motivation is not that the person behind me in line or the cashier in front of me thinks I'm a great person. The right motivation is not to just assuage my guilt or even obligation. The right motivation is because God has given to me and he rewards those deeds that only he sees and I want any reward that my father is giving me and that a private secret Knowledge of God is much better than a public knowledge of other people any day. But that takes trust and faith. It takes trust and faith to believe that what my father sees me do in secret is a better reward than what people see me do 
in public. That takes trust. That takes trust for me to live a life like that. So it's right to give, but make sure your giving is done rightly. Or put it another way, this way, this is a one idea, way to put it, give generously and leave the reward to God. 2017, give generously, live lives of giving generously and leave the rewards, the recognition up to God. Trust him with it. It's hard for us to do this, to give without getting any recognition. Our heart bucks against it. If you don't think so, then ask yourself this question. When was the last time you gave something to someone and no one knew you did it? Now, no one. Not some middle person you went through that said, hey, I want to get this to that person, but I don't want them to know I gave it, so would you give it to them? Because then that middle person knows what a great person you are. Not to an organization that maybe you don't see a face, but you give to the organization, but you still get a receipt for it. I mean, no one knew. Not a friend, not even the person that you gave it to, so you don't even get the satisfaction of seeing the smile on their face when they get that. When is the last time you gave something to someone that only your Father in heaven knew that you did it? It's hard. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's hard, especially in our world that tracks everything when it comes to finances. But here's my challenge to you this week. Here's the call. Here's, here's, here's the challenge. If you're going to respond to this message this week, here's what I'm challenging you to do this week. I'm challenging you to give to someone this week before you come back next Sunday and do it in such a way that nobody knows about it. And if you can do it in a significant way, great. If you can do it in a way that even the person doesn't know where it came from, and I don't know how you do that. You figure it out. That even the person doesn't know, and even you don't even know for sure how they reacted or responded, but if you can give in that way, what I think you're getting is a heart checkup. Because if I can't give in that way, There may be something in my heart that says I always have to get some kind of credit or recognition for giving. But if I can do that, and if I can give to someone secretly in a way that only my heavenly Father sees, it's a way of checking my heart to say, God, you are the one that is the most important. And what you see and what you know about is far more important than what anybody else thinks about me or my giving or my recognition or anything like that. So that's my challenge for you, for us this week. Find a way to give, to be generous in a secret way and trust that your heavenly Father sees and rewards what's done in secret. Let me close with this this morning. And here's just a big picture thing of this aspect of giving. The fact that something as good as giving to the poor, because that's what Jesus is talking about here, when you give to the needy, the fact that something as good as giving to the needy and giving to the poor can be twisted into something not good hints at our sinfulness as people. 
that even our best deeds are tainted by sin. It points to our need for Jesus, not just his teaching to correct us, but his sacrifice to save us. We give because God is the ultimate giver and he gave Jesus for us so that sinful people like us whose best intentions fall short can be cleansed and be with him. And that's the bottom line. It's not not about money. It's not about giving. It's not about generosity. It's ultimately about my heart and your heart. And that's ultimately what Jesus is talking about. And that's what I started this message talking about. We don't talk about we don't talk about your heart here because we care about your money. We talk about money on a Sunday like this because we care about your heart. And what I know is true about me and maybe it's true about you that money is one of those things in this world that can grab your heart and not let it go. And if you and I are gonna be followers of Jesus Christ, the only thing that should be allowed to hold our heart like that is Jesus himself. And so... We check our hearts because even our best deeds, giving to the poor, can be manipulated and used in a way that serves us and not God. So may we be people who are careful to give in a way that recognizes the God who sees what is done in secret is ultimately the one who rewards us. So give generously and leave the rewards to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, the God who sees. The God who sees everything that we do publicly before people, but God, more importantly, the God who sees those things that no one else sees. God, you see us in that place where no one else sees us, but Lord, also you see our hearts in a way that even we ourselves don't see them because we can deceive ourselves and we can tip the scales in our favor and we can rig the game so that it benefits us. But Lord, Lord, you are the God who sees our hearts. So Lord, we come to you this morning. We ask that you would help us. Help us as fallen people tainted by sin, Lord, to recognize the places in our heart and in our life where we are held captive by something other than you. Lord, help us to see the places in our life that, that have, that, where money or finances or the possessions or positions in this world have a hold on us and where you don't have a hold on us. Lord, I pray for men, women, and young people who are here today, Lord, who live in a world, a transactional world that every part of it is often some way connected to finances or money or buying or selling. Lord, would you help us not to be captives of that world, but to be captives of you, to be people who give generously and leave the rewards up to you, Lord. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us that we would be honest with ourselves and recognize that even our best deeds can be tainted by the sin in our lives and we need a savior we need a savior who will save us from ourselves save us from our sins we need a savior 
who is outside of ourselves. And we call upon that Savior this morning, Jesus, not just to teach us, but to lead us as our Lord. Father, I pray that you'd help us and guide us today as a church. May we at Mount Hope be a generous people. May we be a people that recognizes we have been blessed in order to be a blessing. And may we do it all in Christ's name. Amen.